Support for Always Sunny in Chiefs Kingdom is brought to you as always by Manscaped for all your male grooming needs. We want to say thank you to our listeners who continue to support the podcast by shopping online at manscaped.com and getting 20% off your entire order with the promo code SUNNYNKC. You guys have helped us fund this podcast and keep bringing you guys Chiefs content every week, so we appreciate that. You already know about the Lawnmower 3.0, the best hygiene tool for the modern man with patented skin safe technology that makes getting nicked a thing of the past. But they also have a nice nail kit called the Shears 2.0, which has tempered stainless steel tools, including slash tip tweezers, round point scissors, fingernail clippers, and a medium grit nail file. I'm a personal believer in these products, and if you're frustrated with your electric razors running out of batteries, becoming dull, catching your skin, you owe it to yourself to try out Manscaped. Just remember to use promo code SUNNYNKC to get 20% off your entire order. Manscaped, take your grooming game to the next level. Now back to your regularly scheduled programming. Uh, all right, so the shoe situation. So, um, I don't know, are you a shoe guy? No. I mean, I buy shoes when I wear them out, and every now and then I'll have two pairs of New Balance instead of one, but um, I am, I'm not a, like a collector, or I don't really care if my kicks look fly or any of that stuff. It's just never – probably because I just haven't usually had the money for it in the past. I, I don't know, but no, I'm not. What about you? Yeah, that's super funny that you said that because that's literally like my exact philosophy. Like I'll buy a pair of shoes and it doesn't even matter. Like it could be sneakers or running shoes or I, I recently bought a pair of hiking boots and uh, then I just wear that pair of shoes every day until <laughs> they blow out. Yeah. And I, I don't really switch them out. I have, um, I, of course, I have to wear dress shoes to court. I have my dress shoes at the office. I don't wear them to and from work. They're under my desk. When I need to go to court, I switch into my dress shoes. When I get back to the office, I switch out of my dress shoes. But the rest of the time, I just wear whatever shoes are kind of working out. Whatever the last shoe you bought was. (laughs) Whatever the last shoe I bought was. And it was a pair of hiking boots. I had a pair of hiking boots and they... They recently developed like a, a large hole in the bottom of them, which yeah, I didn't, as didn't do. notice for uh, for several days. And I've had them for, I don't know, it's not a whole long, I bought, bought them over the summer, so not a terribly long time. So that mm-hmm. was uh, disappointing. I bought them on sale. They were they were heavily discounted, so that, that may have been part of the issue. <laughs> sure. Uh, but now I'm back to uh, the previous pair of shoes that I was wearing before that. And all of this to say that, you know, I'm not a shoe guy, but I got to say... Patrick Mahomes comes out with a signature shoe, an Adidas shoe. And, um, you know, it looks pretty tasty. I, I could I could dig it. If it's got Patrick Mahomes' name on it, I'm interested. Yeah, it looks real nice. It's like that dark red with white uh, through it. And, you know, it's, it's, a nice, it's a nice Adidas shoe for sure. Um, I, I pretty much reserve my disposable income for Patrick Mahomes. I mean, like exclusively for him, jerseys and bobbleheads and all that stuff. And, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, boxes of cereal, you know, you name it. I've got books, I've got posters, I've got printouts, like anything that you can spend money on online that has his name or face or whatever, I'm all about. So, you got boxes uh, full of Patrick. I got boxes full of Patrick, yeah. Uh, so I, I'm i probably going to pick these up. I'm, I've been looking at them. They look real nice. I probably would never wear them, but I probably will pick them. Well, if you have them, though, then, you know, I mean, like, this to me was when I saw this news break on Twitter, uh, I I saw it reported by our man, Josh Briscoe, who sort of oversees our efforts here um, from a distance. When I saw this, my reaction to it, I think, is probably what people thought when they saw the first pair of Jordans 
right? Like I, I'm not a shoe guy at all. I've made that perfectly clear. And I have no need at all for an athletic shoe, but like Patrick Mahomes is such a God mm-hmm. that, that I just, I feel like I, I have to have these. Now, Austin, where do I put my feet? Welcome in to It's Always Sunny in Chief's Kingdom, brought to you by Sports Illustrated's Arrowhead Report. Find that at si.com slash NFL slash Chiefs or on Twitter at SI Chiefs. And of course, as you heard in our ad read, Manscaped. I'm Austin. You can find me on Twitter at Real Bird Lawyer. And here with me, as always, is my man Taylor Witt. You can find on Twitter at Taylor underscore Witt. Taylor, what's up? Oh, you know, just feeling the same way I felt every day in my life after a Wednesday afternoon football. I've had this same feeling every time. So, so feeling good. One out of one times you have felt however you feel right now. We're going to get into that briefly, unfortunately, uh, later on in the show. But we do have a great show this week, Wednesday afternoon football notwithstanding. We're going to recap a win, which always feels good. A game that was close on the scoreboard, but a blowout in our hearts over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We're going to do a little uh, Sunny-inspired segment that we like to do called What is Happening? And it's going to be a special focus this week on the AFC West because, my God, zero days without an embarrassment from the (laughs) AFC West. And and all three teams besides the Chiefs were completely embarrassing. We're going to jump into that. We're going to talk a little bit about the rest of the AFC as well, that Pittsburgh-Baltimore game and the playoff implications of that. And during this game that we had over the weekend, Taylor, Patrick Mahomes hit 1,500 career pass attempts. And what is the significance of 1,500 career pass attempts, Taylor? That is when quarterbacks officially qualify for rate statistics in the NFL as far as leaderboards and all-time career rankings. And he he's finally there. So officially, we can talk about where he ranks among all 191 quarterbacks that ever have had 1,500 pass attempts. And we are certainly going to do that for you. We've got some numbers to break down. We've got some uh, some knobs to slob, as we talked about before the show. Uh, we're going to be uh, waxing poetic and heaping praise on our favorite hero, Patrick Mahomes. And then we're going to close this out, Taylor, with a preview of Chiefs versus Broncos, part two. But before we do that, I'm just going to plug one more time our sponsor, Manscaped. You guys did a great job when Manscaped first came on. We do have a promo code that's sunny in KC. Guys, the holidays are coming up, and uh, as we're sitting here recording this, Christmas is in 23 days, which seems impossible. Uh, I have done no Christmas shopping. I don't know about you, Taylor. No, same. But if y'all are looking for gifts for your family members, certainly check out our friends at Manscaped. Use our promo code, and they will be uh, happy to report to us that you guys are using that. We'd love to see that. And uh, while you're out there, tell your friends. Tell your friends about the podcast. Give us a five-star review. Rate, subscribe. Tell your friends. Taylor. Let's talk about a football game that happened mm. this week on it's Sunday. A tasty football game. Man, it, you know, anytime it's Mahomes versus Brady, as this was now the fourth iteration of that um, matchup, it's very exciting. There's, um, there's a lot of buzz, a lot of juice for this type of thing. And going into this game, it was the 9-1 and one Chiefs and the 7-4 and four Bucks. The Bucks had kind of stumbled of late. Um, they had that, you know, loss to the Rams last Monday. And y- you could kind of tell that 
Tom Brady's back was against the wall. You know, as much as Brady was, I'm sure, prepared for this matchup, it seemed to me like the Chiefs came out as the aggressors and the ones that were more prepared for this than he was. Yeah, the the Buccaneers came into this game at 7-4 and four and a wild card team with uh, some up and down performances. But boy, in the first quarter of this game, it, the Bucs were down. The Chiefs were way, way up. So I was listening to this game on the radio. I was driving back from Kansas City. We had a nice Thanksgiving. We were able to take our COVID tests and tested negative and drove out. You and I got to summit and powwow for the first time since the Super Bowl, which we was did. great, and introduce our dogs to one another. So I was driving across western Kansas, and I was getting the uh, the um, the sports radio affiliates out there in western Kansas, the satellite stations, bringing me the voice of the Chiefs, Mitch Holtis. And the first play of the game, I feel like, set the tone for what this was going to be in the first quarter. It was a pass complete short left to Tyreek Hill that Tyreek just took up the sideline, turned on the Jets, took it up the sideline for 34 yards. And the Chiefs march down the field on the first drive of the game, and they get down into the red zone. They're down at the one-yard line. And you have to understand, I'm not watching this game live so my exposure to the the first crazy thing to happen in this game was to hear it on the radio and just to hear it described as Patrick Mahomes dropping back going into motion and Tyreek Hill touched the ball Travis Kelsey touched the ball Travis Kelsey had Patrick Mahomes Taylor he had him he had him open for the touchdown and he hesitated just long enough for the linebacker to come up and knock that pass down I what was your reaction watching this play? Well, it was insane. Um, obviously, when Mahomes starts going in that Ferrari motion, it, it's extremely exciting. Instantly, I, I felt a flush. I felt like, you know, whatever I was about to see was going was gonna to change me. And he goes in motion and he takes the snap in motion, which I could watch him taking a snap in motion a thousand times in a row and not get bored of it. It is such like a, a beautiful, beautiful concept. gazelle person. He, exactly. And then he pitches it to Tyreek. And I, I, I knew at least that there was going to be something more than just a Tyreek end around. I wasn't sure where the trickery was going, but I knew it wasn't going to stop there. And then I see Kelsey trailing behind Tyreek going the same direction Mahomes was going. And when Tyreek pitches it back to Kelsey, I was, I am not afraid to admit, screaming like a little girl, going, throw it to Pat, throw it to Pat. I mean, I got so, I I said it probably four or five times in a row before Kelsey even cocked his arm back to throw it. And um, it was noted on the broadcast that he, because Kelsey has those yellow gloves, it, it seemed to have, the ball seemed to have stuck in his in his hand as he was releasing it and it just basically spiked right into the ground. He had Mahomes open, he didn't trigger early enough, but then when he did, the release was off. Um, he had it. And, and Andy Reid even said after the game, like, we're going to get him one. I think he said, we'll get the next one is what um, (laughs) what he said about that. So that's now two attempts that the chiefs have tried to get Kelsey a passing touchdown. They had the underhand shovel pass to Byron Pringle the week before that uh, got kind of blown up against the Raiders that Pringle had the touchdown. It was blocked and he just kind of read it wrong. And then this one, Kelsey had him easy or really Kelsey could have run it into and gotten a rushing touchdown. I mean, there was everything to do there except for throw the ball into the ground, but you know, that's what happened. The the trick play didn't work. It was only second and goal at the one at that time. So I figure, okay, well, if they run that on second and goal, they've probably got a pretty good idea of what they want to do on third and goal, but then it's just a handoff to Clyde that gets stuffed and they, they, I'm sorry, it was an incomplete pass. It was an incomplete pass 
um, short right, and then they just kick a 19-yard field goal, and it's kind of like one yard line. Yeah, after after a pass to Tyreek for 34 and a pass for 23, and so we've already just taken two big chunk plays out of that to get down to the one on second and goal, and then kick a field goal against Tom Brady. It was pretty deflating. I was I was a little let down that that score was only three nothing Chiefs. Yeah, it didn't feel very good at all, and especially. Just uh, me listening to it on the radio, I since have had the pleasure of going back and watching the game, which, by the way, not that this should be terribly surprising, but even when I was just like, as soon as I got home, you know, it was like 10 o'clock, but I was like, I got to watch the yeah. YouTube that the yeah. NFL puts up the highlights. And that play, of course, was in there, even though it just was an incomplete pass in the box score because it was so insane the the potential for it uh to resurface again later in the season is just tantalizing mm-hmm. uh, we may see it again this week who knows i mean you know it's a division game uh this could be this could be the one uh the broncos could be the team to fall victim to it but you're right i mean to drive that far down the field and i know obviously uh chiefs twitter was screaming for the chiefs to go for it from the one yard line were. but we can't oh, on fourth goal. you mean yeah, fourth yeah, I, I was screaming one, for him to go for it too. Fourth and goal from the one yard line. I mean, you got to go for that. Even if you don't get it, they have to go ninety nine yards. And mm-hmm. while Ronald Jones did have a ninety nine yard touchdown run a couple of weeks ago, come on, I mean, make Tom Brady go the length of the field. In any case, they kick a field goal, and the Buccaneers come out. They get one first down, and then they go essentially not three and out, but they pick up one first down and then go three and out on the the next uh, set of downs after that. Chiefs get a nice little 12-yard return from a cold Hardman. And this, Taylor, is when things started to get wacky, right? <laughs> like, like as, as deflated as we were after the failed attempt to get Patrick Mahomes a touchdown reception and Travis Kelsey a passing touchdown, walk me through what you're feeling this next drive. Well, it was great to see the defense after having so, so many struggles against Vegas the week before come out against this high-powered, supposedly high-powered Tampa Bay offense and get a punt. So at least the the pressure that, okay, at least we don't have to score a touchdown every single time we touch the ball. That was at least relieved a bit. But it's a, it's a short little pass to D-Rob, who has kind of been on my shit list recently. He just hasn't really, um, you know, he hasn't really been doing much with his targets. And uh, Patrick has the first of many, many great hard counts on that second and seven. He gets the Tampa Bay Bucks to jump across. And then there's a little on second and two, there's a short pass to Tyreek that doesn't get past the sticks. It's third and one already on the Chiefs 31. And you figure like, all right, you know, they they didn't punch it in from the goal line on second and one and third and one last time. You got another third and short. They gotta gotta make it happen here. And this is the one I was talking about that's just a just a little right guard to Clyde, no, no dressing, no craziness, just a little handoff, gets stuffed. Chiefs are looking at fourth and one from their 31, and that one you got to punt, and Townsend knocks it 50 yards. But at the same time, I mean, now you're looking at, okay, we've had two possessions and three total points, and the way that our defense has been playing lately, I didn't know if that would be, you know, how that would turn out. Yeah, it just was weird. It's been weird. Like, I, I – it feels like every time the Chiefs don't score a touchdown, I'm disappointed. Yeah. Oh, sure. And especially every time they go three and out. Like I, it, and it, every time the Chiefs go three and out, it's exactly this set of circumstances. It's, <laughs> it's either exactly this, what we saw here, where they have something kind of schemed up and a guy just doesn't, can't get the yardage, or they 
they blow themselves up with penalties. We'll talk about mm. one of such drive later in this game. Right. But man, I, I mean, talk about missed opportunities on the first two drives, but the chiefs defense comes out, forces a three and out uh, Tom Brady on third down third and three kind of floats a pass to Antonio Brown that, that probably could have resulted in a first down. It just wasn't a very good throw from Brady. Hmm. And so, yeah, right. Shocking, shocking, surprising. We'll talk more about his poor throws, but that was kind of one of the stories coming into this game and, you know, to hear it described on the radio and then later to kind of watch it. I mean, he just didn't, he wasn't very sharp early in this game Um, and had not been sharp. He has not, to be clear, has not been sharp for the past month, especially throwing the ball deep, which they did not come out doing early on in this game. Um, but Tom Brady, as we discussed in the preview show, had not completed a pass over 20 yards in a month coming mm-hmm. into this game. So their second drive, they have third and short. They can't convert. The Chiefs get the ball back. And this drive was one play <laughs> the Chiefs. One play, a 75-yard touchdown to Tyree Kill. And I don't know about you, Taylor, but these are my favorite kind of drives. A one-play <laughs> touchdown drive. It's my well, favorite. But it's my the time favorite. of possession if there, Austin. That was only yeah. 10 second time of possession. So really, <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah it's, who's um, laughing now? The, it, the Bucks were probably laughing their asses off. Like exactly, <laughs> got them, idiots. Yeah, it's um, it's what you dream of when you have the fastest player and the biggest arm. That's that's what you dream of is 75 yard bombs. I mean, at the end of the day, yes, I love that the Chiefs can drive many times as often as they like on, on teams and all that stuff and put together a good drive and chunk off five, six, seven yards. But a 75 yard touchdown strike is just so demoralizing from the other, from the other side. And it's something that um, Tyreek and Patrick are, they're just so deadly because of his speed and because of the arm strength. And this was a, this was the longest completion of Mahomes regular season career. It was not longer than the um, Atlanta touchdown but it was 61 yards in the air I believe is what I saw and it was just a perfect rainbow Tyreek tracks the ball as well as anybody in football and dusted them and now you're looking at a 10 point lead the the defense is forced to short drives by Tom Brady and you know things are things are feeling great I am I am high-fiving and running around and feeling like okay the Chiefs are well on their way yeah and then of course, there there was nothing on the next drive by Tampa to discourage that because the Chiefs defense got another three and out. Again, on another uh, third and short, third and two, Tom Brady could not connect with Cameron Braid, who, by the way, I had forgotten was a Tampa Bay Buccaneer. He was kind of a sneaky little uh, fantasy option like a couple of years ago, and then, you know, they had O.J. Howard. He kind of disappeared. He showed back up as the intended receiver here, but the – Buccaneers, again, could not convert. So you had three short drives. I mean, three drives, one first down for the mm-hmm. Tampa Bay offense. They punt back to the Chiefs. And Tyreek Hill, first play, or excuse me, Le'Veon first play for eight yards, which that was nice to see. Le'Veon had some nice runs in this game. This yeah. Tampa defense uh, is good against the pass, but they're really, really good against the run. Uh, you you just, like, with um, – with Ndamukong Sue up there, uh, and they don't JPP. have Vita Vea right now. He's on the IR, JPP. But they have a very, very stout defensive line and are exceptionally good at defending the run. So for Le'Veon to come out, his first touch, I believe, in this game and pick up eight yards 
just with a good run, um, patient run, as we, we frequently see from him. That was great to see. And then on second and two, that opens up the whole playbook for you. You, you can take a shot on second and two because then you can always pick it up on third and short or if you need to on fourth and short. Chiefs did take a shot. They got 19 yards from Tyreek, three from McColl, 14 from Trav, then took a shot to Bacol, which unfortunately was incomplete. And then Pat back to Tyreek and then back to Tyreek again. So this drive capped off on third and eight from the Tampa Bay 44, a 44-yard touchdown pass, his second of the day. And Tyreek, in this first quarter, went over 200 yards. Stupid. 203 yards, I believe it was in the first quarter. It was the longest in, in, in any quarter by a wide receiver since Buffalo Bills' Lee Evans in 2006 had 205 yards. So, I mean – it, it's a it's a once a decade type of thing, if that. I mean, it, it's it was so odd, just jaw dropping to see. And this was the Tyreek Hill backflip into the end zone, and and he kind of caught it at like the ten, and then just completely dusted Carlton Davis and walked around him into the end zone. And um, it was it was just a really nice play. Tyreek is is showing himself. He tweeted last week, "Am I a number one yet?" Maybe that was the week before, but recently, <laughs> and. He's not only a number one, he's the number one. He's my guy. I mean, he's, and it's not just because he's a chief. I think that his combination of skills is better than all these other guys. It's better than Hopkins. It's better than Thomas. It's been, you know, those guys are great, great, great NFL wide receivers. You know, Devontae Adams, whoever you want to say. But Tyreek Hill is the most dangerous wide receiver in football. And if you're the most dangerous, you're the best to me. And he proved it here. You know, what, what was fascinating about this first quarter was, we hadn't seen this kind of performance from Tyreek in a while. I mean, and not ever in terms of the statistical output, but a quarter or a game where he was just dominating down the field. The reason for that is because every other team in the NFL <laughs> does the last it. couple of years <laughs> has realized that you absolutely have to give your cornerback safety help over the top on the side of the field that Tyreek Hill lines up on, because if you don't, he will beat you deep because he's the fastest player in the NFL Mm -hmm. and Patrick Mahomes will hit him deep for big plays. And for whatever reason, Tampa Bay came into this game and said, we're going to put Carlton Davis on an Island with Tyree kill and, and just see how it works out for us. Mm. And, and we saw how it worked out in the first quarter. It did not work out well for them. It it did not work out well for them at all. And this was, I mean, to your point, like, even beyond the statistical output, he currently leads the NFL in receiving touchdowns. He has a two touchdown lead over Devontae Adams, who is in second place. Devontae has missed two games. He's having I think Thielen's also year. got 11. Thielen also has 11. Tyreek is now second in receiving yards behind DK Metcalf, who just passed him on Monday night. But listen, it's even if you're not talking about the production, the production is obviously there. He's clearly by production stance. He's been the most productive wide receiver in the NFL this year mm-hmm. in terms of scoring, in terms of yardage, just in terms of pure dominance. But beyond that, there's a reason why teams don't play the chiefs the way that the bucks did. And we saw that on Sunday. And so for the last year plus when Tyreek hasn't been dusting people deep every you know, pass, it feels like that's because teams are specifically altering their game plan to take away what he does. They have to play defense in a particular way. And there's no other wide receiver that forces defenses to change the way that they play 
more than Tyreek does. I mean, no. Devont- Devontae Adams is an amazing receiver. He's a great route runner. I think of all those guys that you kind of named, maybe him and Julio at his peak, although Julio's kind of lost a step or two. Right. I mean, Devontae Adams can beat you deep. Devontae Adams can beat you short. He's a great route runner. He's got great hands. He's, he's got a very diverse skill set. But Devontae Adams lines up in the slot, you know, motions out wide. That's hmm. not going to change what the defense does. They're not going to change what the defense does specifically based on where he is in the formation, where he lines up on the field, who he's lined up against, what the down and distance is. Tyreek does all those things. I mean, he just is such a unique threat, and especially when paired with, like you said, the best arm in the NFL. It's it's extraordinary. It was a it was a rare treat and a blessing to see on Sunday, what happens when you don't respect him the way he needs to be respected. Absolutely. And, and, you know, for all the people that talk about Tyreek because he has Mahomes or vice versa, you know, Tyreek did this with Alex Smith. He turned yeah. Alex Smith into a deep ball passer and had, who had the best passer rating in football because he, he gets so open downfield when he's open. Like all you have to do is just put it up there, man, just put it up there and he's going to go get it. And it's, and in um, fact, that that is what what happened in this game. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. And and Ty is just um, he is such a luxury for an offense like this because even without him, this offense is deadly and productive. Obviously, everyone knows that. But with him, they do get that ceiling of best best offense of all time. They absolutely hit that ceiling because there's just there's just no defending him. There really isn't. People have talked about this. I saw, um, I believe it was maybe Rex Ryan this week, or, you know, a lot of people talked about it. And they just said, so what do you do against the Chiefs? Oh, it was it was Chris Sims. And, and they said, what do you do? How do you line up against them? You know, you've got Kelsey over the middle. You've got Tyreek deep. You've got Mahomes. And literally everyone, every football mind's answer is like, bro, you can't. You can't <laughs> defend them. Like, I know you want to come up with a scheme and come up with a strategy. But, like, whatever you do, they're going to figure out. And they're going to get around you. And it's just, it's, it's stupid, man. It's just, it's fun to, with five weeks left in the regular season, it's fun to have a game like this on tape because it reminds teams why they have to keep a deep safety on Tyreek Hill's side of the field. Yes. And why they, frankly, why they have to commit two guys to him. Because if they don't, this is the result. Yep. And so after this first quarter, the Chiefs are up 17 to nothing. Feels like a it feels like we're cruising towards yeah. a blowout. Yeah, can I mean, we live like, in that first quarter forever, please? We can and and we will, probably, <laughs> frankly. I mean, this is why I introduced this game the way I did, a blowout in our hearts. Mm-hmm. That I mean, after this first quarter, I there was like there was nothing that was going to convince me in my heart that this was not a total beatdown because that first quarter was so dominant, even with the chiefs leaving four points on the board, potentially with kicking the field goal from the one, you know, obviously with Travis Kelsey, not being able to quite pull the trigger on the trick play. Mm -hmm. I mean, even, even taking all of that into account, this is just a, an incredibly fun display of football. So the chiefs get the ball back at the start of the second quarter after the defense forces yet another punt, four punts in four drives, for Tampa and they drive down again and they're in the red zone again. And Sammy Watkins makes an appearance. He returned in this game. Tyreek Hill is still catching passes. Travis Kelsey starts to get involved as Tampa sort of shifts its coverage a little bit 
to give Carlton Davis finally some help. Too late, buddy. Too late. It actually was funny. Did you see Tyreek Hill's uh, of course. help is on the way? Yeah, of course. Phone call that he was doing. That was great. He's the best. Uh, he's he's he is the best. He's you know since twenty sixteen he has twenty touchdowns of forty yards or more, and the next closest in the NFL is ten. <laughs> It's stupid. It's stupid. And he has twice as many 40-yard touchdowns as anyone else in football. It's, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. So the Chiefs are driving on this drive, and they get down to the Tampa Bay 8, and then Patrick Mahomes is sacked by Shaquille Barrett and loses a fumble. And I believe, was that the first fumble he had lost this year? It is. And unfortunately, the, the line did not protect him there. Loses a fumble, and the Chiefs, again – you know, they, they had a 17 point lead, but this game could have been, it, it could have been 35. Oh, right here. It, yeah, exactly. It could have been an absolute ass kicking on historic levels. And so it was, it was, you really literally do hate to see it. <laughs> That's Shaq Barrett's pretty good. Where did Tampa get him? Uh, was he, Oh yeah. He used to, he used to play for the Broncos mm. and then I think they, they they didn't what they didn't sign they didn't sign this guy they didn't well, sign Shaq Barrett well he wasn't very good he had 14 sacks in four years for them and then when he comes over to Tampa in 2019 he has 19 and a half sacks so you know maybe maybe he just wasn't liking the high altitude in Denver I don't know but maybe it's a Broncos problem <laughs> maybe maybe it's not them maybe it's or maybe it's not him maybe it's them it is most know. certainly a Broncos problem so then Tampa takes over they're still despite all of this barrage of scoring it's still only 17 nothing and it's tom brady in the second quarter and of course um he makes the most out of the of that last mistake by the chiefs um he drives down the field a lot of short stuff a lot of until he finally hits the first long completion in over a month when he hits gronk over the middle we've seen that a thousand times too many in both of their careers. And then he, of course, has a very Tom Brady-like touchdown pass where he just flicks it out to the left and Ronald Jones takes it 37 yards up the sideline, high steps, jumps over the tackle. Makes Dan Sorensen look like a bitch. Makes Dan Sorensen, yeah, you know, Dan Sorensen, he's he's, uh, boomer bust and he busted there. He busted hard. And so Tom Brady gets 37 yards and a touchdown pass for not really doing anything. I sound like Barry on uh, on Twitter, but it's, that's what it is. And all of a sudden, a game that should have been 35 to nothing probably is 17-7 in the second quarter. It was... It was a little bit frustrating. I mean, not just the fact that they came back and scored, but the way that they did it, obviously, with uh, especially the last 37 yards to Ronald Jones was a, a breakdown by the Chiefs defense and poor execution by Sorensen, which, you know, uh, somebody, uh, I believe Peter Gadrich on Twitter today, one of our birds Shout of war, Kaka! Kaka! Uh, christened him the Jameis Winston of defense, yes. which is uh, which is very appropriate. And yep. he... Uh, he was the bad Jameis on that <laughs> on that tackle attempt. Jameis tragic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Jameis magic. Exactly. But even even with that being the case, the Chiefs get the ball back with four and a half minutes left in the half. And you're thinking, well, man, if we go down and score a touchdown and we go up twenty four to seven, it's still as good as over. A seventeen point halftime lead mm-hmm. with Patrick Mahomes, you kidding me? And they almost did it. They got down <laughs> into the red zone again. They got a first and 10 at the Tampa Bay 11-yard line. I mean, they just drove down casually yeah. yeah, with 36 seconds left in the game. And then three straight incomplete passes, and they have to kick a field goal. 
And there was quite a bit of pressure on these, if I recall correctly. There I were. mean, Tampa, Tampa was bringing the heat, Todd Bowles, to his credit. And you and I, I think maybe had talked about this, I, not not on the podcast, because this was before we ever had a podcast. But before the Chiefs hired Steve Spagnuolo, um, Todd Bowles was a guy that we were both interested in because mm-hmm. he, while his uh, tenure with the Jets was somewhat lackluster as a head coach, man, he Yeah, really, so is everybody's tenure with the Jets. Exactly. And frankly, lackluster was a huge improvement over what they have now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's right. Todd Bowles is like the best Jets coach <laughs> of the last five or it's 10 years. Spells, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but he, uh, he dialed up some heat and you got to give him some credit in some sense. I mean, it's tough to give him too much credit because obviously the plan that they had coming into the game was laughably bad. Like it just was horrible. Uh, but, but to his credit, he recognized that it, that plan was going to lose them the game 60 to nothing. And he adjusted <laughs> and they held the chiefs to a field goal. I, we got to give Harrison Butker some props here because obviously he's been, he's been getting his ass kicked by Chiefs kingdom and, and even us sure. who are big, who are big Butker fans since week two, when he hit those heroic field goals against the chargers. And he frankly has deserved the criticism. He nailed essentially an extra point here. He had already kicked a 19 yarder in this game, which is closer than an extra point. Yeah. But at least he was true. This is actually field. closer than an extra point, too. They're lined up from the 15 on an extra point. This was from That's the right. 11. That's right. Yeah, so the Chiefs hit the field goal here, and they, they go into the half with a comfortable lead. I mean, this was – they go into halftime with a 20-7 to 7 lead. That's a good lead, but it still felt like they left quite a bit of meat on the bone. They did. They absolutely did. Um, and that's something that they continue, as we'll talk about, to do in the second half. And really – I don't want to say it's a calling card of this Chiefs team, but when their execution, when their potential is so high, when their their skill and their scheme and all that stuff gets guys open all the time, you're going to notice stuff like that a lot. And they leave a lot of points and yards on the board pretty much every week. They really do. They could, they could based on the plays that they run and the guys getting open and all that stuff, they could score 60 points a game if they hit every one of those plays. Now, it's impossible to – you know, expect them to hit every one of those plays, yeah. but, um, but the potential is always there. And we notice anytime a drive stalls and it's a punt or a field goal and it's not a touchdown, you think it's a failure. You feel like that's, you know, something went wrong there. And that's just a testament to how high they've set the bar here and how much, how, how honestly, how much they've succeeded in scoring touchdowns in that we are so spoiled by them and we just think that every time they get the ball they're going to score because they pretty much always do so yeah so it's a disappointing ending butker kicks the the field goal and we're thinking all right we've at least got a 17 point lead on tom brady at halftime he's not looking very good which is the other part of it is that there really wasn't a lot there for me to feel like that the bucks were much of a threat here even you know even with leaving those points on the board they just weren't really doing that much um yep and the Chiefs, um, for their their defense, which had had some struggles in the, you know, especially in the uh, Raiders game. The last game. two games, the Raiders yeah. game and the Panthers game. And the Panthers game, absolutely, where they gave up over 30. And and that wasn't the case here. The defense was looking strong. So I was feeling pretty good at halftime. I, I was feeling pretty relaxed, I think, considering um, – the opponent and the location and all that stuff and the importance of the game. I mean, I, I felt like they were, uh, they were in pretty good spot. So then they kick off and Brady does to his credit, at least 
dink and dunk a little bit and then hits another one super deep to Gronk for 48 yards. A lot of that was Gronk after the catch, but um, you know, it was, it was, he's a playmaker now. I think Gronk's back. Like he was, he kind of took a while to get going, but as soon as Brady started trusting him in that offense, he looks like Rob Gronkowski. He really does. And so they got down to first and goal at the five and I'm thinking, shit, the chiefs are up 17. They're about to, you know, cut it to 10, but then it was a one yard stuffed run by Fournette and then a horrible little screen pass to Fournette that Hitchens absolutely blew up for a loss. And then on third and goal at the eight incomplete field goal, I feel like damage avoided. Yeah. And then of course the chiefs come down and answer with another touchdown to Tyreek Hill. And there were a lot of points in this game as there frequently are in almost every chiefs game where you're thinking that was it. This is the dagger. This game is over. And it certainly felt that way here. They came down, they scored again. You think the Chiefs are never going to stop scoring in this game. Unfortunately, that turned out not to be the case (laughs) because the Chiefs did stop scoring in this game. And it just (laughs) is hard to point to any one thing that kind of went wrong. On one drive, it was penalties. They had one drive where they had three holding penalties called. Uh, on another drive, it was a drop, essentially, by McCole Hardman that would have gone the length of the field. A Pat a also kind of missed him. He did. He threw it behind him. It was, I mean, But he could have caught it. He could have caught it. He could have caught it. And if it had been Tyreek, he would have caught it. How and often should it work? Yeah, exactly. It was just execution errors. We've talked about this. It seems like every week it, the Chiefs beat themselves. I mean, the Chiefs stopped themselves from scoring on these drives. They, whether it was penalties whether it was execution mistakes, either on Pat's part or McColl's part, I mean, you can you can split the blame equally there. It didn't feel like Tampa was doing anything to stop them. It just felt like the Chiefs were stopping themselves. Sure. Which I think is the Chiefs. I mean, I think the Chiefs' offense has had that mentality since Pat came back from injury last year that the other team's not going to stop us. We're the only ones who can prevent us from taking over this game and dominating this game. I mean, that mic'd up in the Super Bowl. You know, Pat Pat says in the first quarter, he's like, "Man, we're just we're just stopping ourselves." You know, they're they're not they're not stopping us. We just need to execute better. Right. And they didn't do that in the second half. Unfortunately, the Patriot are <laughs> the Patriots. Well, it Jesus. feels like it. Yeah. Yeah, it did. That's exactly what it felt like, though. Yeah. I mean, it, it felt very much like a, you know, the first half. Not that they were calling a lot of deep shots, but it was like, all right, uh, you know, this is this is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers that are having trouble executing and aren't able to convert on third down. And then in the second half, mm-hmm. it was like, all right, this is Tom Brady mm-hmm. and the New England Patriots, you know, f- that have figured out what we're doing on defense. And there was a, a little bit of a sense of inevitability um, every time they got the ball in the second half that they were going to go down and score a touchdown. And so – we entered in this state, or at least I did where, you know, it kind of was like, all right, well, the defense is, they're out of juice. They're not going to get any more stops this game. They figured out the defense. The defense is, is tired out. They're figured out. They're going to keep scoring. We just need to stay ahead. And fortunately, when you've got the best player in the world and a lead, <laughs> every time they score, they have to give the ball back to you. That's right. And you have a chance to score again. And as long as you're ahead, you always have the opportunity to stay ahead. And that's just how this game ended up being closed out. When Tampa got within three points 
what was your level of anxiety? Well, the moment that they scored with to go to cut it to three and there was four minutes left, the timing there, you know, the chiefs aren't really a four minute offense in any either, you know, they're, they're going to strike quick or they're going to punt it, but either way, they're going to give the ball back to you pretty quick usually. And this was something where, um, you know, they had stalled out the last couple drives. They, they, the offense was not clicking. If this were in the first quarter and it was four minutes to go and the, you know, and the chiefs needed something, I would have felt great. But by this point in the game, they had been shooting themselves in the foot and, and with Tom Brady on the other end and in a game that should have been out of hand, that was now very much in doubt. Um, I was a little nervous. I, I tried to stay positive, but this is a situation where I knew that if the chiefs went three and out here with four minutes to go up three and punted it back to Brady, they probably weren't going to see the ball again and they were probably going to lose the game. But yep. fortunately they kind of, they kind of turn it back on as the chiefs are want to do. They kind of woke up, they realized, Oh shit, I guess these guys made it a game. When did that happen? Like I thought it's we were going to, it's the nineties bulls thing. It is We've exactly about it right. Before. Yep. Exactly right. They just, these other inferior teams just don't hold their attention the way a playoff game would or any of that stuff. So they um, Tampa Bay kicks the ball off with four minutes to go and they've got two timeouts and they feel like, all right, I'll, we can, you know, we can just hold the chiefs to a punt here and at least give Brady the ball back. Even if it was with two minutes or a minute and a half or whatever, that should be plenty for the goat. And uh, they, the Chiefs started off trying to run the ball. They had a really nice first down run by Clyde for seven, which really sets you up when you're trying to burn the clock out. And then uh, Mahomes does what he does best. One of the things he does best, which is to make something out of nothing and scramble for a first down when the chiefs absolutely needed it. And he went up the middle for four yards there for the first, first down. And then after a four yard run by Clyde Tampa's out of timeouts, they absolutely on second and six got to stop the chiefs got to stop them here. No way you can let it up. And Mahomes starts off to his right and nothing's there wheels around goes back left goes left end for eight yards stays in bounds goes down to the ground because he's just basically perfect and then the the bucks are saying okay now we at least want it with 10 seconds left we at least want the ball i know we're not going to have much time but we at least need a shot and after a first down run gets blown up with 225 to go and you've got this two minute warning coming up and they know they're going to run it. They know, no, no, that the chiefs are going to run it. They do not. They have a little uh, dump off pass to, to Clyde for two yards, but then the big play of the game with a minute 15 to go, you don't get this. You at least are going to give the ball back to Brady. Mahomes does a little sprint option to the left and Tyreek and Sammy cross over each other. And Mahomes hits Tyreek perfectly on the left sideline. Tyreek goes to the ground game over. It was a beautiful four-minute offense. And really, I think one of the first times this year that we've really seen the Chiefs' full four-minute offense. We've yep. seen the two-minute offense quite a bit. We've seen it be effective. We've seen it be hilariously ineffective. We've seen the 10-minute offense. This is the, really the first time this year that they've had a game where they have a lead and they have the ball and they need yep. to just close it out by running out the clock. And they were able to do it. And it's encouraging, in a sense, to know that the Chiefs offense can do a lot of different things. They're not just a quick strike, deep ball offense. They're not just a team that can beat you running the ball. They're a team that can beat you in pretty much every way that there is to beat you and win a game of football. And they did it in this game. 
they win the game in a game that it, it's a three-point final score, but the Chiefs' win probability never dipped below. I think it was 70%. They never got below 70% sure. for the win percentage. I, I mean, the Chiefs, they made it a little bit interesting in the final score, but for the most part, this is a pretty complete game. The special teams played a good game. The defense played a great first half and hung on. I mean, they did enough to win the game and and so did the offense i mean like the defense and the offense both played great in the first half and then they both kind of stunk in the second half but they made enough plays to win the game when they needed to we didn't even talk about the two picks that the defense forced <laughs> in the second half which yeah. frankly I, and this this is you know i i kind of said it felt inevitable that the defense wasn't going to get any more stops in the second half they did they got two stops they were both on turnovers mm-hmm. that that was the the defense that we saw in the second half, which frankly is fine. If the chiefs need to yeah. rely on turnovers to get stops and they just need to, to run into a couple of picks each game, that's fine. I, I, I mean, that's going to be enough if the offense is executing at a high level, which it was today. Here's what I thought about after the game, how many games in the 20 year new England dynasty do you think the Patriots won ugly? Like a shit ton of them, right? Oh, yeah. Tons. Like tons and tons and tons of them. And you don't always need to beat people's doors off 49 nothing. Like this is – football's really tough. It's really tough to get a win. It's really tough to go into someone else's house like Tom Brady and come out of there with a win of any kind. And I just kind of – I had to kind of take a step back because while my, my stat nerd self really, really wants – 500 yards passing in six touchdowns every game. Yeah, yeah. It's, and I mean, we they're so capable, of, they're capable of doing it. He was, yeah, exactly. He was insane today or that day. But at the same time, stacking wins is what's important. It's what's important for your dynasty. It's what's important for your legacy. It's all, all of that stuff. It doesn't matter if you don't win, nothing else matters. And the fact that the chiefs are now 10 and one for only the third time in franchise history, this is where everything's headed at the end of the day. Nobody is going to give a crap about a week 11 or week 12 regular season game when they look back on this Chiefs team. They're going to care about rings. They're going to care about postseason appearances. And I'm just, I'm just really, really pleased that 11 games into the year, the Chiefs are 10 and 1. That's, that's everything we could have asked for with road games at Baltimore and road games at Tampa and all these tough games on the schedule. And, uh, you know, I think you got to kind of take a deep breath if you're, freaking out about the defense or freaking out about whatever it is, you know, that they let them back in. Just everybody relax. Now, Taylor, it's time for what What is happening. happening? We're going to do a very special AFC West edition. We'll, we'll hit uh, Baltimore Pittsburgh at the end. We have to talk about the AFC West Taylor, and we're going to start with the least embarrassing team in the AFC West. Besides I'm not sure I could pick. Them. Oh, I, I know which one. Yeah. No, it's the Chargers. It's, yeah, it's the Chargers. The Chargers, the Chargers lost to Buffalo 27 to 17. And I'm just going to read the G chat that I got from you on Monday. Good. When we were back in the office discussing this guy. I, I was back in the office. You were working from home, uh-huh. whatever, whatever it is that you do when you're on the clock. <laughs> I got this text from you on Monday <laughs> that said, after watching their loss yesterday, I'm more convinced that Anthony Lynn is a smooth-brained fuck-up. <laughs> so I'm just gonna read. I'm just gonna read your G chat because yeah, sure. this, this succinctly describes the smooth-brained fuck-uppery that is Anthony Lynn in this game. So the Chargers were down ten. They threw a hail mary and got it down to the one with no timeouts and 45 seconds left. So they ran up to the goal line, but instead of spiking or throwing, they handed it off 
to Eckler who got stuffed. Then they ended up burning almost all the time they were before they ran their next play, which by the way, did not convert for a score. They didn't end up scoring despite getting down to the one on this Hail Mary. They lose by 10. They probably weren't going to win anyway, but man, I, I, I mean, running the ball with no timeouts in 25 I, seconds I, is I, the, I, Lynn should have been fired on the spot. I, I, mm, mm, I, there's a reason why the chargers are three and eight, despite having the second best point differential in the AFC West and the second best quarterback in the AFC West and the second best quarterback in the AFC West. It's because Anthony Lynn is a smooth brain fuck up. There's <laughs> no other way to describe it. So next Taylor, we have the second, most embarrassing team man i'm not sure i can i'm not that'd be a coin flip for me it's not for me listen oh no it's not it's denver this is wild this is it's wild denver it's denver okay this yeah. is wild to me so we got to recap the the denver broncos weekend because it was a wild one on thursday jeff driscoll either tested positive on thursday or what he was in the quarterback room on thursday and he mm-hmm. had covid19 <laughs> and the broncos quarterbacks decided not to wear their masks in the quarterback room on Thursday. And so on Saturday, this news kind of came out just in a rush. Jeff Driscoll has the Broncos have a positive. It's Jeff Driscoll, the backup QB. He was in a room with the other QBs on Thursday. Oh, by the way, none of them were wearing masks. Oh, by the way, that means they're all close exposures and they're not eligible to play tomorrow, (laughs) Sunday, when the Broncos are scheduled to play the Saints. And no, we will not postpone the game for you. (laughs) Figure it out. So the Broncos on Saturday, it was announced, did not have a quarterback for their game on Sunday. Pretty important position. Pretty important. And so they ended up activating and starting a quarterback, a practice squad wide receiver, Named Kendall Hinton, who played quarterback at was was it what was it Wake Forest? Wake Forest, yeah. And, and but lost he was, his job. Yeah, at he Wake lost. Forest. Yeah, exactly. He was converted to wide receiver at Wake Forest. So, uh, Wake Forest isn't known to be an NFL powerhouse. This guy was a quarterback there. He wasn't very good. He got benched at Wake Forest and converted to wide receiver. That's who the Broncos started at quarterback in an NFL game. And it went exactly as you would expect. He completed one of nine passes for thirteen yards and two picks in this game. The Saints starting Taysom Hill had, I believe, 62 yards passing in this game. They ended up with, um, yes, that's right, 63 yards passing and 292 yards of offense, but it was a combined between the two teams, 75 net yards passing, which was the lowest since like the 70s. I I mean, it's unbelievable to me that it was not the lowest in NFL history, but some weird stuff happened in the 70s. (laughs) Yeah. The Broncos finished this game with 112 total yards. They got blown out by the Saints. And yet, Taylor, and yet. And yet. They were not even the most embarrassing team in the AFC West this weekend. Mm. You think, what could possibly be more embarrassing than all your quarterbacks getting getting COVID or getting exposed to COVID because they didn't wear their masks? Yeah. Drew Locke's mom coming on Twitter to try and defend him the, the day after. Losing starting the a guy, yeah, yeah, starting a guy who got benched at Wake Forest and changed positions because he was so bad at quarterback. Starting that guy at quarterback, getting blown out by 28 at home. What could be more embarrassing than that? What, hmm. what could be more embarrassing than that? Well, probably uh, getting your ass kicked by a really bad Falcons team. And not just – now, how many points did the 
Broncos, who started a, a practice squad right receiver quarterback, how many points did they lose by, did you say? They lost by 28. So the Las Vegas Raiders <laughs> traveled to Atlanta to play the Falcons, who aren't very good. They're a little feisty since they uh, fired Dan Quinn. Yeah, but they were three and seven. Warrens. They're not great. They were three, they were <laughs> three and seven. Not great. Not great. The Raiders, who had a quarterback in this game, a quarterback who we were told was an MVP candidate. We were. A quarterback who we were told was playing the best football of his career. A quarterback who we were told was going to finally lead the Raiders back to the playoffs, win a playoff game. Who knows? Maybe even take the Raiders to the Super Bowl. I just threw up in my mouth. The Raiders lost by 37. No, 27. Or yeah, 37. Yeah, four. Oh my god, I, my lost, math was wrong. They lost I was like, 43 to 6. I was like 43 minus 6 is 27. No, it's 37. It's 37. That they lost by nine more points than the Broncos <laughs> lost by starting a practice squad wide receiver at quarterback against the best team in the NFL or or at least the best team in the NFC, the New Orleans Saints. Okay. Jesus. The Raiders lost by nine more points than that to the Falcons with their starting quarterback in the lineup. Okay. This was, I, 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 I don't know. I, it was a bit of despair. There's no other way to describe it. Derek Carr in this game, 34 attempts for 215 yards, no touchdowns, one pick. He lost three fumbles in this game. Let me, let me give you the drive recaps by the Raiders of this. Game. Yeah. Yeah. Do please turnover on downs, lost a fumble. Three and out. Field goal, three and out. Fumble, three and out. Pick six, field goal. Fumble, fumble, three and out. Punted with three minutes left, down 36. <laughs> I mean, the the longest drive in net yards in this game for the Raiders, they had one drive of 69 yards for field nice. goal. Nice. They had one drive of 51 yards. They had one drive of 37 yards that ended a fumble. They only had three drives of 37 or more yards in this game on 14 Jesus. drives. Jesus. Okay. They had, they had multiple drives. They had, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, six drives that ended with fewer than 10 yards. Okay. They had two that ended with negative yards. This was an absolute ass kicking. I mean, this nine was, of their 14 drives were four plays or fewer. Uh, it's, Listen, I don't know what it is about the Raiders when they play the Chiefs. It's like that SpongeBob meme, you know, where he's like he's like skinny and weak on one side yeah. and then he's like totally yeah, jacked and ripped up. on the other yeah. side. That's that's the Raiders when they play everyone else on the left and the Raiders when they play the Chiefs on the right or whatever format yeah. the meme is. <laughs> it, it, it it's ridiculous. And but I don't even feel bad. Like I know it didn't make me feel worse about us not being able to kick the Raiders ass. No, I loved it. There's clearly something going on here with John Gruden and the Raiders organization and how they approach certain games because this has happened before. Yep. One year ago, yep. this time, the Raiders traveled to New York to play the Jets and they got blown out 34 to 3. Okay. They had two games in a row, the second one being at Arrowhead playing the Chiefs, 
where they got blown out by 31-plus points. BT okay? Dubs, do you know who the Raiders play on Sunday? The Jets. They are at the Jets. They're at the Jets. The How winless... fun would that be? Oh, my God. I mean, if they lose to the winless Adam Gase New York Jets, I think – I mean, what, what, what do we say? Raider Cody, our friend Raider Cody, will have to delete his account. He, he uh, very well should. If he if he doesn't, he sh- certainly should. He'll have to move over to the, his Chiefs burner, Chiefs Cody, full time. Yep. This was a this was this was an unbelievably embarrassing effort by the Raiders, and it couldn't have happened to a, a nicer bunch of guys. <laughs> uh, I I my condolences to them. They're now uh, behind the Chargers in point differential, even though Oof. they have three more wins. And significantly behind, like 15 points behind or something like that. Uh, it, it was ridiculous. I'm not certain that it was the most embarrassing thing to happen in the NFL this week because there was a football game today, Taylor. We're recording this on Wednesday like we normally do. Yeah. Football isn't usually played on Wednesday afternoons. It is not. That we got correct. one today now i was at work because this game kicked off at 1 40 in the afternoon mountain time i was in court <laughs> i had court all afternoon i did not watch any of this game but it's pertinent to the chief spy situation so why don't you give me your quick thoughts on this well i guess this depends on if my boss is listening to this podcast or not if he is then i did not watch it <laughs> but if he is not, well, we'll I, I watched it afterwards. When I got off work, I sped through the three-hour game and watched yep. every snap of it. But yep. the takeaway here. Like you do when a game ends 19-14. I want to make sure I, I want to make sure I catch every play you of it. You saw Trace McSorley in the box score, and you're like, i got to have me some of this. Yeah, that Trace McSorley play was nice. But, um, yeah, so the main takeaway I had here, first of all, was that Wednesday Night Football is the sloppiest-ass football of all time. It was – this game started off with both teams, punt, punt, fumble, interception, pick six, punt. I mean, it, it was just they, – they were going nowhere fast. Um, but the real main thing that I took away from this is that the Pittsburgh Steelers are not that good. Yep. They, they were playing the JV squad of the Ravens. RG3 looked garbage today. The entire the entire day, he he had one. He ripped off one forty yard run that looked like the old RG three, and the rest of his day was seven of twelve passing for thirty three yards and a pick all day long. Oof. So, it, so Trace McSorley, they benched him and he came in and did throw a seventy five yard touchdown to Hollywood Brown on. So he already doubled RG 3s output on one pass. But you know the Ravens. They screwed up. They um, got down to the goal line late in the first half. They had no timeouts left, and they were they called timeout their last timeout with 26 seconds left on second and goal at the one. And from there, you basically you can't call a run play on second down because then if you get up on third down, you've either got to run a quick third down play or spike it on third and then yeah, unless, field goal on fourth. Unless it's you're a, Anthony Lynn. Unless you're Anthony Lynn, and then he just runs it. And Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So the Ravens did run it. And they did get stuffed. And then the Steelers laid down on the pile. They just they knew there was a 20-second ticking clock with no timeouts. And they all just laid down. And by the time the refs got in there and made them all get up and get back to the line of scrimmage, it was like 3-2-1. RG3 hiked the ball. And he threw a fade to the back of the end zone that because Mark Andrews was out with COVID, it was Luke Wilson instead, not the actor. But he might as well have been the actor because he dropped it. And the Ravens who were only down seven to 12 at this point and 
all of NFL world was hoping that the Pittsburgh Steelers would lose the game and the Ravens screwed that up, didn't score any before half. And then the, the second half was just, it was one touchdown each and they were both gross. Like the whole tons of punts, there were one, two, three, four, five, six, seven punts in the second half. Um, just a, just a bad, boring, dumb game. We had to talk about it though. I'm, I'm appreciate your sacrifice crushing that film uh, after oh, yeah. work, but before the podcast. Yeah. Didn't even eat dinner. That's an impressive effort to, to do that just for our, our listeners. I'm, I'm proud of you, buddy. But we have to talk about it because uh, it does affect the Chiefs indirectly. Uh, obviously, they're competing with the Steelers, who are now 11-0. Chiefs are 10-1 for the one and only buy in the AFC. And, you know, obviously before Lamar got COVID and the rest of the entire Ravens roster also got COVID, and this game got played with – RG3 starting a quarterback on a Wednesday afternoon in Pittsburgh. This was a game that we thought potentially could help the Chiefs. The Ravens beating the Steelers would have given the Chiefs a tiebreaker because common opponents, the Chiefs have already beaten the Ravens and have beaten all the other teams the Steelers have beaten. The Steelers had lost this game. Chiefs would have had the tiebreaker over Pittsburgh. They would have had the same record. But alas, it was not to be. And so now we need the Steelers to drop a game to an AFC team. Preferably the Bills because they're a common opponent. Preferably the Bills because they're a common opponent to have a chance at taking the top spot and the bye. And I want to make this clear, Taylor. I, I've been tweeting about this today. I, I don't, I think people have this idea that on some level that the, the bye is about, you know, like, People have said, why does it matter? We can go to Pittsburgh and win. Absolutely, we can. Playing the Steelers on the road or playing the Steelers at all doesn't bother me at all. I have zero anxiety about playing the Steelers. The Chiefs are a better team. They can beat the Steelers whenever and wherever they play them. The concern is that you have to play an extra game. I mean, a bye is not only a week of rest because the Chiefs are likely going to get a week of rest whether they get the bye or not if they – if they can't get the bye in the final week of the season, like let's say the Steelers are 15-0 and the Chiefs lose another game, the Chiefs are in a position where they're going to be the, they're probably going to be locked into the two seed if the Steelers kind of clinch the number. Yeah, there's no other game. AFC team that's really going right. to really challenge for that. Right. The next closest team would be the Bills, who are two games back of the Chiefs and don't, do not have a tiebreaker of the Chiefs. And would, in that case, have lost to the Steelers. Exactly. And so – it's not really about the, the rest necessarily, although that, that's part of it, because the Chiefs could just rest all of their starters in week 17, potentially, sure. if they don't get the bye. And they could essentially give them, themselves a bye. It's about having to play an extra game. Yeah, it's it, about not playing an NFL playoff game. Come yeah, on. The, the bye week is not only a week of rest, it's also a free win. You just win that week and advance the next week without having to play a game. Like You get to rest all no your injuries. guys, and yep. you also get a win. Yep. And you also get to prepare for your, your next week's opponent. And that would be really nice for the Chiefs to have. I mean, they don't need it, but it would be great if they had it. And so we are rooting for the Steelers to lose really their best bets. Really their only reasonable bets would be the Bills. And they play the Colts, I believe, in week 17. And the Browns. And they, they play the Browns. The Browns are 8-3. and three. They, have a, 
they have a worse point differential or they actually have a slightly better point differential now than the three and eight chargers, Oof. which, you know, that's, who does that uh, say worse about? Yeah. It says uh, as much about the chargers as it yeah. does about the Browns. Yeah. I, I suppose it's possible that the, the Browns could maybe give them a little bit of run the money. Maybe, maybe the Washington football team, maybe they pull something out. You and the Browns know. could pull a Raiders and just get up for their divisional opponent. That's going yeah. for a 16 and 0 record. I mean, you know, I mean, the point is too, like the Steelers just aren't that good. Like, no, they played they played a a close bad game against the Jags like they played a lot of close games against bad teams right yep. like yep and so it's not inconceivable that they could lose any of these games hey man the Steelers are playing the fight in Alex Smiths this week they could definitely drop that game they could that's what I'm saying Washington football team could maybe cook something up so that's the situation for the Chiefs. We've got five weeks to go. We're going to keep tabs on that, obviously, but we are definitely going to be rooting against the Steelers. We've got a couple of quick mailbag questions to do this week. I didn't, don't think I put that in the, the preview, but we do have a couple. Uh, as always, if you guys have mailbag questions, you can hit us up on Twitter. You can DM us. You can at us. Or you can join our Discord server, and you can pop mailbag questions in there, which we almost always answer either on the show or sometimes we just pop in discord and answer. shoot me a DM on Twitter. And you know, I was just thinking about this. If any of our listeners out there don't have Twitter and are uncomfortable with signing up or DMing us just to get in the discord or something like that, shoot me an email. Taylor M is in Michael wit at gmail.com. I don't care. Reach out to us that way. That's fine too. We have a question from one of our birds of war, Andrew Whiteside at O U S A S. Question for the pod. What is the football equivalent of the Mendoza line for quarterbacks and how are both John Elway and Derek Carr below it? This was an impossible question to answer. And believe me, we did try. We, we actually, when we got this question come in, I immediately sent it to Taylor. I said, how are we going to, how are we going to approach this? We game planned it out. First, I just want to say Mario Mendoza gets a little bit of a bad rap. All right. Listen, your middle infielders in like the late sixties, seventies, eighties, they couldn't hit for shit. Like, can, can yeah. we real quick? Can we update the listeners on what the Mendoza line is? Yeah, 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 yeah. We might have some listeners who are not familiar with the Mendoza line. This is a football podcast, after all. The Mendoza line is a baseball situation, which actually I believe was in, in, invented by George Brett, Royals great George Brett, was it not? Yes, it was. So this is named for Mario Mendoza, and it takes a stat called batting average. Everybody who's heard of baseball has heard of batting average, but if you bat below 200. That's considered the Mendoza line is 200. So if you bat below Mendoza, the Mendoza line, that means you're an embarrassment to baseball and the hitting. And Mario Mendoza, bless his heart, was a shortstop for the Pittsburgh Pirates and a kind of a, you know, a middle infielder. And his career batting average is actually 220. But he had a nice little stretch there in the time period that George Brett was pointing this phrase where he was hitting abominably, like, I think his average was around 180. Yeah, over for that like five years. Stretch in there for like five years. Yeah. But I want to say, we did a little search on this, and I got to tell you, uh, to be honest with you, you know, of all the shortstops that had over 1,000 plate appearances in that time span that we're talking about here, 72 to 83 or whatever it was, I, I, he's not even the worst hitting shortstop in that time span. Like, no. shortstops in the 70s and 80s were just terrible at hitting, okay? So – Let's get off of Mendoza's back. I, it's hard to it's hard to say, you know, exactly how Elway and Derek Carr could be below the Mendoza line. We can't really just use like a quarterback rating because that changes so much by era. But this is a nice transition into our next segment 
because we mentioned Patrick Mahomes has gotten over 1,500 career pass attempts. We're going to talk about where he ranks among the all-time greats in various statistical categories. And as a personal favor, both to Andrew and to another one of our Birds of War, Bam Bam, Taylor pulled some stats for John Elway, which I think will satiate your John Elway hatred. And you can check off the John Elway reference bingo card (laughs) on your Always Sunny and Cheese Kingdom bingo card. Because we got it. So here's the deal. Um, now that Mahomes is over, I'm going to, I'm going to talk about both Mahomes and Elway in the same context to even further illustrate how horrible Elway was. So, but mostly to talk about how great Pat is because that's, that's our main. Exactly. It's just also fun to kick the horse while he's beat a dead horse, so to speak. Um, so now that Mahomes is over, as we talked about earlier, the 1500 attempts that are required for career rankings and there are nine pretty um i would say pretty basic or pretty common uh quarterback stats that are rate stats that's not piling up yards and touchdowns it's talking about yards per game and yards per attempt and stuff like that so in these rankings we now have career rankings one through 191 of all these quarterbacks including now patrick Mahomes. So I'm just going to go through real quick and I'm going to talk about a stat where Mahomes ranks and where John Elway ranks just for fun. Yeah. Let's so quarterback rating quarterback rating is hilarious because Mahomes, not only is he in first all time, he is 7.1 quarterback rating points over second place to Sean Watson, which is stupid. And in fact, I figured out stupid. it is stupid. And I figured out today that, if Mahomes over his next five games went 10 attempts or 10 completions, 20 attempts, 175 yards, no touchdowns and four interceptions for all five games, he would still hold the quarterback rating career record. Stop. So, That's ridiculous. So he's just, he's so far lapping above the field that, um, that that's where he's at. And to contrast that with our friend, John Elway, his quarterback rating is 80th out of 191 quarterbacks all time. At, at, a, at a shade under 80 for his career. It's barely in the top half. He is he's basically horrible. So that's his quarterback rating. And Mahomes, number one. So now we're going to go to yards per game. That's passing yards per game. Uh, not only is Mahomes number one, but he leads number two, Drew Brees, by over 27 yards passing per game. So Mahomes Jeez. is at 307, and the next highest is 280 ever. So now, granted... You know, Mahomes has played 42 regular season games, but uh, that lead is preposterous. And uh, John Elway is at is 41st all time. This is actually a, an area that he's not completely atrocious at. Uh, 42 all time in yards per game. That was 219 yards per game, which surprisingly is 41st all time. Yeah, well, you know, eras and all of that, blah, blah, blah. John Next. Elway was great. One that um, has been a really, really big boon in Mahomes' production is his touchdown-to-interception ratio. He doesn't throw picks. He throws lots of touchdowns. He has the number one touchdown-to-interception ratio of all time at 5.30. 5.30 touchdowns per picks. Second seems, place there. Seems fairly good. It's so stupid that second place is 4.51. So he is <laughs> 0.79 touchdowns, almost a full touchdown per interception more than second place all time, forever. So, um, which is whom? Which is Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers has 4.51 touchdowns per pick. 
second place. John Elway is, in a word, not as good. Um, his ranking for touchdowns per pick is 70th, and that is 1.33 touchdowns per, per pick. Terrible. Awful. It's no not, good. It's not very good at all. No good at all. Uh, interception rate, the rate of passes that is picked off. Patrick Mahomes, number one all-time forever, which okay. is pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, that is an interception rate of 1.31% of his passes. Aaron Rodgers was 1.37, so he shades a, a bit above him there. John Elway, um, who I was about to say God rest his soul, but I think just because he's so bad that I just feel like <laughs> I just feel like he's dead. Um, his interception rate is 3.12% of his passes, which is good for 67th all time. So once again, a lot of these rankings, he's falling. He's not even in the top 50 of all quarterbacks in some of this stuff. So get, get him out of these top 10 lists. Get him out of there. Uh, real quick, we're going to go yards per attempt. Patrick Mahomes, second place all time. Otto Graham in the 50s was slinging the ball all over the yard. He had the first um, yards per attempt there. And John Elway's yards per attempt was 79th. Not great. Okay. Uh, win percentage. Patrick Mahomes, second all time. I was pretty surprised by that. Um, he's won a crap yeah. ton of games already. He's 34 and eight. Number one there is also Autogram in the 50s by 0.03 wins, which is basically one more win for Patrick, and he's going to pass him there. Um, John Elway did have a top 20 win percentage at 19, but that's just because the Broncos were good. Don't don't get that twisted. That, that wasn't John Elway. That was despite John Elway. That's touchdown, exactly right. touchdown percent, touchdowns per attempt. Patrick Mahomes, second, next to some Browns quarterback from the 60s named Frank Ryan that I've, I've heard of a lot of old quarterbacks, and I had never heard of that guy. And that guy slaying touchdowns constantly. So if you never heard of Frank Ryan, bro? I, <laughs> exactly, because you hadn't either. And <laughs> uh, so that was touchdown percent was Mahomes second next to him. John Elway's touchdown percent of all 191 quarterbacks ever is 109th. Dude, Ooh. never threw touchdowns. Oh, that's passes. not even in the top half. No, it's not. It's it's awful. And finally, the worst that Mahomes ranks in any of these nine categories is completion percentage. So if it's the worst, you think, well, he's a gunslinger. He throws the ball around a lot. He probably doesn't have a very high completion percentage. I would put him in the top half maybe. No, he's fourth. He's fourth all time. Okay. Yeah, that'll percentage. play. That'll so, play. you know, that'll definitely play. He is a very nice 66.69% completion percentage for his career. <laughs> John Elway is also triple digits here at 103rd all time. Yikes. So like he's Woof. at 56.87% for his career. He barely Woof. made over 50% of his passes. John Elway sucks. Patrick Mahomes is the best. His combined rankings in all nine of those categories is only 15 total. The next highest is Aaron Rodgers at 68. Jeez. So like, just, he's, he's already the GOAT. He's amazing in pretty much every statistical category that exists. And uh, that is an extraordinary thing. It's something that we are very thankful for here as Chiefs fans in Chiefs Kingdom. You probably have seen this stat going around, Taylor, but this was a fun one. A lot of uh, networks circulated this, NFL Network, ESPN. Most games with 400-plus passing yards, three-plus passing touchdowns, and no interceptions. The record is Drew Brees with nine. He did that in 284 career games. Tom Brady and Peyton Manning each did it five times, Brady in 297 games, Manning in 266. 
Patrick Mahomes is currently third. Well, I guess technically fourth. fourth. There's three guys yeah. ahead of him. Fourth with most 400-yard passing games, three passing touchdowns, no INTs, with four games. He's tied with Aaron Rodgers and Ben Roethlisberger. Rodgers did it in 192 games. Roethlisberger, 228. Patrick Mahomes has 42 career games. <laughs> Jeez. Uh. He's, he's in fourth place all time, <laughs> one behind tying Tom Brady and Peyton Manning in 42 games. Uh. He's played less than 20% of the games that they've played. He's sitting around, what, 15% of Brady's career total in games played? It's crazy. So he'd be on pace for 30 of those games if he played the number of games Brady has. 30, and the current record is nine by a guy you may have heard of, Drew Brees. Okay. Uh, Pretty amazing. He's an incredible human being. Pretty good. This brings us, Taylor, to our last segment. As always, this is when we preview the matchup for this week. The Chiefs are playing the Broncos. There's not a whole lot to say here other than the Broncos apparently – are going to be starting Drew Locke at quarterback. He's been fined by the team, but he's not positive for COVID. So they're going to be starting a quote-unquote real quarterback. I just want to fill you in, though, on the general vibe. You know I like to take the pulse. Yeah, you're my man on the ground over there. The Denver community. I like to listen into the sports talk radio Mm -hmm. and listen to guys like Mark Schlereth, Mm -hmm. you know, who you get to see on ESPN from time to time. But, oh, he's got a regular show here. I, I, I like to check in on the talking heads and the radio people here in Denver just to get a, a pulse of how the city is feeling. And I got to tell you, they're pretty embarrassed right now is the word that I've heard used a lot. And uh, that's fair because it's embarrassing to have your quarterback test, not test positive, but be exposed to COVID and be declared ineligible to play one day before the game. And it's embarrassing to have to uh, play a practice wide receiver at quarterback. Some people might even call that donkey brained. Mm. Do you have any such certificate? (laughs) But Taylor, the Broncos are going to have their quarterback back this week and it's going to be drew lock. And I can tell you the other general theme that I'm picking up on here in donkey land is that people are coming around to the fact that drew lock kind of sucks. Mm-hmm. And I'm here to tell you, as I've been telling you for months, and I know I'm preaching to the choir here, buddy, but listen, we've got Mizzou fans that listen to this podcast. And I'm sorry. I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. Look, you are welcome. I, I, I appreciate your devotion to your college team. Let me tell you, Drew Locke is bad. All right. He is currently has the highest interception percentage in the NFL this season at 4.1%. The highest the, the highest percentage of passes to be intercepted in the NFL this year belongs to Drew Locke, 4.1%. That would put him 189th of all qualified 191 quarterbacks if he had the requisite pass attempts. Oof. That's terrible. He's also third worst in QBR behind only Sam Darnold and Alex uh, Smith. What? Yeah, I don't know. QBR is weird, man. I, I assume that those first couple of games that Alex had back, you know, when he was playing in his first organized football game since he almost died from playing football. Yeah. Those games were pretty rough. But yeah. I got to tell you, he's looked uh, he's looked better lately. In any I'd case, certainly rather have Smith than Luck or Darnold. I'm yeah, sorry, than Locke or Darnold. 
Well, or luck. I mean, he's retired, so you know, <laughs> he, you wouldn't want him either. No. Alex Smith outlasting uh, Andrew Luck. Who who had that? Right. That's wild. But Taylor, this QBR is worse than Nick Foles. Okay, it's worse than Cam Newton. It's worse than this Mitchell Trubisky. Mm. It's worse than Jared Goff. It's worse than Daniel Jones. Oh no! It's worse even Taylor. It couldn't be. It is. It's worse than Carson Wentz, Taylor. No. It's worse. He's the worst quarterback in football, I think. By QBR, Drew Locke is worse this year than Carson Wentz. He's fifth lowest in the league in yards per attempt. That's out of 34 qualified quarterbacks. So there are 29 guys that have a higher (laughs) YPA than Drew Locke. We talked about this before. I'm I'm sort of a fan of this uh, interception percentage, sack percentage, YPA trio of stats because interception percentage yeah, the bar you know, stool yeah the bar stool if uh, not not to be confused with bar stool sports or the tripod has, yeah the, the tripod. tripod let's let's call it a tripod because unlike not bar to stool, be confused with a giant dick this has some intellectual merit so interception percentage ypa sack percentage yards per attempt that's kind of a good proxy for depth of target you know how far down the field you're throwing the ball if your YPA is high, you're, you're completing, you're attempting a lot of deep passes, connecting on a reasonable amount of those. But if you're doing that, your interception percentage is probably also going to be a little bit higher because you're throwing the ball deep you know, on lower percentage passages. Yeah, mm-hmm. and deep passes more likely to be intercepted. And, and certainly your sack percentage also could go up with your YPA as well because to complete those deep passes, you have to hold on to the ball longer. That means you're going to be taking sacks. It's really hard to be elite in all of these categories because just the nature of holding on to the, you know, holding on to the ball, putting the ball in harm's way, taking low percentage throws down the field. You can't be good at all those things. Drew Brees for many years has been elite in sack percentage and interception percentage, but he's been amongst the lowest YPAs in the league. Aaron Rodgers has had uh, elite interception percentage numbers and very good YPA numbers but until recently has had horrible sack percentages. Mm-hmm. He's just been taking sacks left and right. Same deal with Deshaun Watson. Yeah, he now, takes tons of sacks. You kind of have to give one up to get the others usually. Exactly right. Usually. Unless you're Patrick <laughs> Mahomes. Because Patrick Mahomes right now, Taylor, has the fourth best sack percentage in the league. He has the best interception percentage in the league. And he has the fourth best yards per attempt in the league. He's a freaking unicorn. Top four in all three of these categories. Now, conversely, his counterpart on Sunday is bottom five in sack percentage, or excuse me, in interception percentage. He has the worst interception percentage. He's bottom five in YPA. He's the fourth worst YPA. Oh, no. The only thing that he's kind of good at is he's kind of good at avoiding sacks. He's 27th out of 34 with first being Carson Wentz taking the most percentage, highest percentage of sacks. He's 27th there. So he's, he's decent at avoiding sacks, but he's not good at anything else. And people here are finally starting to come around to it. And all I got to say is it's about damn time. Yeah, Drew Lock sucks. And the, uh, I, as a Chiefs fan, hope that the Broncos never realize it and that they extend him after his rookie contract is up and just try and, you know, kind of go the Derek Carr route and just ride that baby into the ground. Because uh, the more that the Broncos start Drew Lock, the better 
Chiefs' lives will be. Same goes with John Elway in charge. Same goes with Vic Fangio. If, if those guys are running things, guys, you have nothing to worry about from Broncos for until they're gone. Taylor, is there anything else you want to talk about, or should we just uh, should we just wait until next week to kind of you know recap another horrific beatdown of an AC West rival? That's the end. Doesn't have to be a whole big thing every single time, you know. That's just life. That's just sort of how how shit goes. Sometimes things just sort of end. 